coming to you from Columbus, Ohio. Welcome to another episode of Just I would Health. like to bring our attention to the subject of healthcare access in Arizona, a subject I know well, having had several professions in the Arizona healthcare industry. Our healthcare requires more fairness, not less fairness. Our healthcare requires more access, not less access. Billions of Arizonan taxpayer money is used to operate our public and private hospitals every year. These hospitals are, therefore, meant to service our healthcare needs with respect for our rights to medical privacy and our rights to all treatment options for public ailments. On the left or on the right, I've never heard a more diabolical advocacy than advocacy against free access to healthcare. On the left, I've heard arguments to prohibit COVID shot refusers from our hospitals. On the right, I've heard defenses of obscene price gouging in our hospitals. They already operate on our taxes. Nationally, 7.8% of people with a credit report as of 2020 had medical debt in collections. This is an outrage given the reality of how our hospitals are government funded, taxpayer funded. The authoritarian left and authoritarian right in Arizona have harrowing agendas that seem to undermine medical privacy and medical liberty. The authoritarian left wants to coerce people into taking underdeveloped drugs made in warp speed. This pursuit has no basis in logic as the shots do not prevent spread for whatever artificial immunity the shots provide. The federal government emboldened mask removal for the jabbed, which led to jabbed individuals being super spreaders. Not that I support forcibly muzzling my constituents. Warp speed, what a name for a pandemic response. The Trump Republican pandemic response. The authoritarian right has criminalized the abortion of genetically defective fetuses thus far in a move to polarize the public masking an anti-medical liberty position with false virtue. In my experience in the caregiving industry, I can say firsthand that our state and federal government don't give a rat's ass about the genetically defective. Developmentally disabled Arizonans suffer lack of funding lack of trained staff, and lack of adequate services due to either state incompetence or state apathy, or a mixture of both. It is crucial to emphasize that the Arizona Republican passage of SB 1457 was never about helping the genetically defective. It's about control, polarization, and further infringements on our rights to medical privacy. Jab passports and abortion bans have no place among a free, moral people. Denial of health care for drug refusal or lack of financial means has no place among a free, moral people. I'm William Pounds, and I'm the independent Green Party candidate for Arizona governor. If this message resonates with you, please consider volunteering and donating to my campaign. This advertisement was paid for by Pounds for Arizona. We do not inherit the earth from our parents. We borrow it from our children. Neither left nor right, simply forward. Hey, and welcome to another edition. Uh, this will be Wednesday's edition of um, Just Calvin, where I talk about whatever, pretty much. Uh, 
little update as per usual in regards to COVID and Ohio. Uh, first of all, I checked out uh, if they had updated the uh, variant portion of things, like you know how how far along is uh, Omicron and how far along is Delta to be announced. They haven't yet. Uh, still that like five percent still uh, with Delta, which would explain the. Um, uh, I think it was an uptick in hospitalizations uh, the last uh, 48 hours. Uh, but as you can see here, um, the ICUs have been uh, have been uh, emptying out, not by much, but you know, fairly enough. I think last week they started at like a 1,044 or something effect, and it slowly but surely came down. Uh, let's see. The seven-day change that was at like 25, uh, but that's gone down to 21. I'm guessing that means that because people are, are starting to get out. But the good thing about it is everything is in the minus range, so that's good. Uh, when I first started this, everything was, see, the 60-day was like um, at, I think it was at like, like what? Oh, I want to say like 18 or so. Um, plus 18. Now it's at minus 8, which is good. Uh, that means that less and less people are, the amount of people at one time is, is lessening. Um, so let's go down, all the way down here. And, and I'm not going to go through the uh, patient daily channel because as you saw up there, that's gone down either way. So I'm going to go down here, uh, see... The uh, all of eight, all ages are still going down. Uh, I guess the zero to seventeen uh, that was uh, at some point that was actually more. I think it was like a hundred. That was like hundred and twenty-five uh, percent that uh, four weeks ago. Now is uh, uh, to uh, seven point nine, and uh, it's down in one week. Uh, uh, fifteen, uh, fifteen point two, and everything else has gone down uh, for the past uh, week now, two weeks almost. But I think they go from one to four to eight, as you can see. Uh, if you're on uh, Anchor or wherever you're hearing this at, uh, I am on uh, ohiohospitals.org. So you can check it out yourself to verify. And I will also uh, be putting this uh, link in the description below as well. Anyway, so let's see. That's uh, the end of that one. However, uh, not that one. That's not what I was looking for. Uh, but you know what? For context, while well, what we'll do is, if I can now, I will be going up to the variation portion. Uh, okay. Uh, did not do that, apparently. <laughs> okay, whatever. It's all good. Uh, this is the international portion, like where like different other um, countries are at. Uh, as you can see on this one, is United Kingdom. Uh, for more information regarding nineteen, you can always watch uh, Dr. John uh, Campbell on YouTube. He does an excellent job in regards to um, other studies and other poll, or not polls, but uh, you know, stuff in this nature. Uh, he is in the UK, so he has a better chance of knowing what was going on in the UK than I would. Obviously, I just go by this. Anyway, so let's see. And the UK, in regards to this, I'm not sure how much they've actually changed this, but. Evidently, uh, there's 154.88 confirmed cases. Um, apparently, there are people who are, are, are getting reinfected there, but uh, they have long-term they, they have immunity. So I don't 
It's probably just a precautionary thing. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not really sure about that much. Here, uh, it has upticked a little bit. Uh, everything in regards to is nationwide. Uh, let's see. So 83% up a little bit. Hospital mission, 231. Uh, well, two, yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway, the point being is, I'm I'm not really sure how to really uh, read them. I'm I'm not a doctor myself. I'm not not a nurse. I'm I'm not of anything in regards to that. So there you go. Anyway, so this would be open primaries. I'm for open primary because oh, let's see. If you want change to go on, I mean, I, I've said it before, and I'll probably say it again throughout the rest of my life. If if you want to end the two-party system and stop talking and get on with the open primaries, get on with the ranked choice voting, unless we have some sort of actual revolution, that's the only way I can see uh, a change happening. Is open primaries and ranked choice voting. And at least that way, that would open up the rest of the parties out there, both left and right. At this point, I could care less to get their message out and to get their followers to get other followers to get other followers to move ahead and make sure they, that they're able to get be uh, voted on. Uh, so, yes, go to openprimaries.org. Uh, volunteer, um, contact them, contact your legislation, legislator, as you can see down here. Uh, check out their blog, apparently, and follow them on Twitter and Facebook. Let's see what was this part. Uh, oh, yeah. There was a conversation I was having earlier. Somebody was saying mandates are not laws. I understand usually they're not, but I remember looking a few days, uh, a week ago, Seeing that somehow the definition for a lot of our mandates became more like a law, so I wanted to kind of bring this up and kind of, you know, kind of point what its differences are. Let's see, people that don't have insight into law science after uh, often don't understand the terms that are used in that in that, in that practice. Many of us, for example, don't understand the difference between a mandate and a law, but knowing that can be resourceful in some situations. Um, we're sorry, yeah, resourceful, excuse me. Uh, so what is the difference between a mandate and a law? Mandates are implemented quickly for a specific situation that requires haste, while a law is a longstanding rule that can be harder to, re to create, uh, but remains in place much longer. So it, it seems like the mandates they have in New York and California and other places, they're trying to actually uh, circumvent the legislature and make them into laws or at least um, act as if they are long-term laws when they're not meant to be. Anyway, so see, this is essential difference. Be, uh, that is the essential difference between... Wait a minute. Okay, I'm not going that. That is the essential difference. But there is more. These, there are differences in their implementation, their enforcement, and several other instances that keep them separated. Stay with me, and from today, you will know a lot, little more about law and practice. Main differences between a mandate and a law. Although there are several similarities between mandates and laws, uh, I will name the differences, uh, differences first. 
The first thing to look out for is the time it takes no implementation, uh, implement a law or a mandate. Uh, creating a law can take from one uh, from one week, several months, uh, and even years. It is a long process that starts with the drafting of a law. It can take several weeks and uh, and up to even a couple of months. After drafting all of the uh, body, all drafting of the body of the law, there is a debate in the Senate or Parliament. How long the debate lasts depends on the uh, political climate and the willingness to make a consensus. Anyway, so I guess yes, uh, the meat of the meat of the, the meat of the situation is. A mandate is something you put in quickly and for a specific purpose and is not meant to be long-standing. So there you have it. Uh, as you can see, you can go, I, I'll put this down in the description below in case you are unable to, uh, in, in case you need a refresher of what the difference is. Let's see. Uh, oh, yes, and apparently a uh, descendant, uh, I thought it was kind of an interesting thing to mention. Uh, someone has been able to prove that the, um, uh, descendant of Robert E. Lee, and they, I think I see Robert, Reverend Robert W. Lee uh, felt like his integrity was oops, uh, being challenged when Confederate defenders continued to accuse him of lying about being a distant relative of Confederate General Robert E. Lee. He proved them wrong with a 400-page genealogy report he received in October, but the North Carolina pastor and social justice advocate said the accusations were a distraction from the current conversations Americans need to have about history. Um, I believe it was an attempt to discredit the hard work I put into removing the statues and monuments to my ancestors, Lee, uh, he told CNN. In January, Axios reviewed the genealogy report and interviewed the pastor, his father, and his, grandma, his grandmother. The family has consistently disputed claims by Confederate sympathizers that the social justice advocate was not related to the Confederate gen general. They hired a genealogist to put an end to the false reports. In 2018, rumors began to spread online that the pastor was lying about his lineage because his beliefs were a contrast to what uh, some say the general re represented. Well, you can be a descendant of someone and still have contrary, contrary beliefs. Anyways, the general is seen as a hero and confederate symbol by uh, apologists, and some say his descendants' criticism of monuments and statues in his honor must mean he's not related. According to Lee, despite his namesake, Reverend Lee has publicly condemned the sins of his ancestor and has denounced racism since 2016. Why since 2016? Anyway, uh, Lee began making several public appearances, saying he was a descendant of Robert uh, E. Lee, including speeches in 2017 at the MTV Music Awards, or MTV Video Awards, uh, Video Music Awards, at the awards, Lee made a statement against the violence that occurred at the Night the Rally, uh, Night the Right Rally in Charlottesville. Uh, in 2019, he wrote a sin by another name, which tells his story of growing up being related to a Confederate general. He's also been pushing for the removal of Confederate monuments, including the Richmond State statue of Robert E. Lee, which was removed uh, in September of last year. But that was kind of interesting. Anyway. Okay, 
Yeah, there will be more to come. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, that was... <laughs> wow, I have another raider. Or someone just played Screamo. Yeah, I think that's what happened. I think I have another raid, though. Um... Andy Attack 2018, thank you for the raid and this and Slayer Music. Thanks for playing Screamo. Um, Hi, uh, my name is James Kahn. Uh, people call me Hank, and I am from running for United States Senate in the state of California. I am running as a Green Party candidate. When you think about people like Kamala Harris, and you think of people like Elizabeth Warren or Joseph Biden, and you think about the campaign promises that they made and aren't true now, such as Medicare for All, abolishing student debt, the children that sit at the borders, and these horrible things, and you think to yourself, it's been 11 months, and you know these are promises that are not kept. I am a Green Party candidate, and people always ask me about my opposition, I say, well, in a world, where the only other candidates are green and the only other politicians are green, what would I provide to you? What would any green provide to you? They would build a world away from oil. They would have, and I have, a platform that is about saving and establishing the environment for future, future generations, the environment above all else. Behind me, I am in the redwood forest in Northern California. These trees were once a thousand years old and two thousand years old. We only see trees now that are maybe fifty to maybe two hundred years old. But think of all these great giants that they came up on and just chopped down and they said, okay, we stopped. But it's going to take a thousand years for them to reestablish. Everything we destroy now does not reestablish. So we must act today. Please vote green. And I am a Green Party of candidate. My name is Hank Kahn, and I am running for U.S. Senate in 2022. And welcome back to the show. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, William Pounds, uh, who's running for governor of Arizona. Uh, and also, I'd like to thank uh, Hank for U.S. Senate, who is running for U.S. Senate in uh, California. Excuse me. Wow. Anyway, and also uh, the one only uh, gamer, Granny Gamer, seventy one on Twitter, on uh, Twitter, Twitter, Twitch, Twitter. Anyway, Jesus, you know where my mind is at. Anyway, so uh, see, I thought this is kind of interesting to look at. The uh, export summary: China buys U.S. soybeans, trade tenders for soy so for soy mill barley. And actually, Warren Mosler shared this on Twitter. I got that one right. Anyway, and this was uh, I guess January thirty first. Uh, so let's see, the following, and I'm reading from. In case you're listening to this, I'm reading from the from the uh, article as per usual. The following is a snapshot of global export markets for grains oil seeds and edible oils as reported by governor uh, governor government and private sources 
as of as of the close of business on Monday. Soybean sale private exporters report the sale of 129,000 tons of soybeans for delivery for uh, to China. The U.S. Agriculture Department said at USDA said 66,000 tons were uh, or ton I can't remember anyway were booked for delivery uh, in uh, 2021 and 2022, with the balance slated to, for 2022-23. Soy, uh, soy meal, barley tender, uh, Iranian state-owned animal feed importer, uh, SLAL, has issued international tenders to buy up to 60,000 tons of animal feed, barley, and 60,000 tons of soy meal. The deadline for submission of price offers is February 2nd, which will be today. Uh, pending tenders, uh, rice tender, uh, I'm not really sure what that means, tenders, but anyway, uh, South Korea's state-backed agro-fisheries and food trade corp issued an international tender to purchase an estimated 46,344 tons of rice to be mainly sourced from China, with some Thailand European traders said the deadline for registration to participate in the tender was January 27th, so that's already passed. Wheat tender. Jordan's state grain uh, buyer issued an international tender to buy 120,000 tons of milling wheat that can be sourced from optional origins. The deadline for submission of price was yesterday uh, for offer of tender. Uh, barley tender update. Jordan's state grains buyers reissued an international tender to purchase 120,000 tons of animal feed barley. The deadline for submission price offers is today. And again, this was from Warren Mose. There was kind of interesting as far as that part goes, I suppose. Anyway, let's see. And this is Japan. I think this has, yeah, this has everything to do with, um, Something I'll just say since I'm trying to put this on YouTube, they don't want me to see the actual name of it. Uh, of course, you really can't monetize something that's not monetized yet, so there you go. Anyway, so uh, Japanese pharmaceuticals companies says shows uh, uh, antiviral effects against uh, Omicron. This was slated February 1st, so yesterday. Let's uh, see, Japan's trading and pharmaceutical company, Koa Co. Ltd., sent on Monday that antiparasitic drug has an antiviral effect against the Omicron variant. And for those who are listening, I'm, let's just say as uh, Iver, uh, it was a variant of the coronavirus. The firm has been working with uh, Katasata, a university, a medical university in Tokyo, on testing the drug as a potential COVID-19 treatment. Uh, in a press release, the company said that a phase three non-clinical trial of the drug has shown antiviral effects against Omicron as well as other coronavirus variants reported Reuters. The company did not, however, share any other any further details. Iver has been controversially touted as a potential treatment for COVID since the earliest stage of pandemic. The FDA has warned against using it as a treatment or as a preventative measure against COVID-19. Problem with that is the fact that they're kind of in cahoots with that, but that's not the point. Anyway, um, 
European Medicine and Medicines Agency review in March found that the available data do not support its use for COVID-19 outside well-designed clinical trials. The WHO, uh, who are you, uh, has also warned against using um, that drug in patents with, uh, with sorry, in, in patients with COVID-19. A clinical trial is underway in the UK by the University of Oxford to test the drug's uh, potential to treating COVID. I'm not saying that it will work. I'm not saying anything of that nature. What I'm saying is there is the story out there and other stories like it. That's all I'm saying. That's what I'm reporting. I'm not trying to say it it absolutely will work for COVID-19. Nothing of that sort. I'm just reporting. Anyway, the... Anyway, so yeah, ivermectin, you fuckers, that's uh, my language. Anyway, uh, uh, researchers told Reuters on Monday that the trial is still underway and no comment can be issued unless the results are found. The drug's use has generated controversy with prominent uh, U.S. anti-vaxxer Joe Rogan, who was not an anti-vaxxer, in fact, Yahoo, you're an ass. Um, he's not an anti-vaxxer. He's never said he was, he was against the vaccine. He was saying, okay, so he said he was, he was against the vaccine for children and up to 17, stuff of that nature, not anybody else. Um, he's not, he's not against it overall as far as, as far as that part goes. It, it's just like everything else that needs to be focused or it needs to be, um, what do you call that? Um, I guess you could say focus on the age group. There we go. And that's not the age group that it should be. Um, anyway, so Joe Rogan also claimed to have used it. Well, he probably did. Uh, his podcast on Spotify has generated protests against misinformation, none of which has been a misinformation, period. None of it. In 2020, a peer-reviewed Australian study found that ivermectin could kill COVID in a lab prompting some commentators to promote the drug among humans despite warnings from global tra- globally trusted, no, actually more like globally financed, public health institutions that have advised against its use for treating COVID because they love the vaccine. Other potential COVID treatments that showed promise in labs include the um, anti-malaria drug uh, hydrochloroquine promoted by U.S. President Donald Trump, who is nowadays saying they should get vaccinated so he's not yeah uh, obviously he's in something in regards to promoting the vaccine but whatever the drug ultimately failed to show benefits for covid patients in clinical trials i think it probably depends on the timing because those sort of things you have to give it a, as as soon as you are feeling the effects of covid itself you can't give it later on and and the process it won't work in that way it loses the uh, it, it loses the uh, effectivity as i call it anyway so let's see uh right and then we're kind of on to mmt um because so many people are yahoo started freaking talking about uh the um that deficit that uh, national debt now let's see let's go into the national debt a little bit shall we the Fed to sell corporate bond holdings purchased during pandemic. That's corporate debt right there. Okay, you ass, what the hell? Okay, anyway. For some reason now, okay, do I have to put... <laughs> okay, hold on. 
Man, I wonder how long it's going to take for him to take this away from me. Uh, not long, apparently. Dang it. Hold on, guys. No, this one might work. Last one just checked, like, not allowing me to look up because I don't have a dis subscription and it's not worth it. Anyway, so this is another one. Hopefully, this will work. Um, the Federal Reserve is going to sell its corporate bond portfolio. What does it mean? Or what it means? The Federal Reserve said Wednesday that it plans to sell the corporate bond portfolio it bought during the pandemic. The move completes the central bank's transition away from its support of the market introduced uh, that the support of that market introduced as part of COVID-19 relief program. It plans to start reducing the amount of bond ETFs and holds. Uh, I believe it's um, electronic. Tra uh, transfer funds uh, it holds before winding down its uh, its bond holdings. The sales will be gradually gradual and orderly, and will aim to minimize the potential for any adverse impact on market functioning by taking into account daily liquidity liquidity and trading co conditions for exchange trading funds. I mean, that's what this is actually ETFs. Uh, and corporate bonds. The central bank said the New York Fed said Thursday that it plans to complete the sales by the end of the year. Corporate bonds didn't take much of a hit on Thursday. The iShare iBox investment grade bond ETF or uh, anyway. Uh, let's see. Tech stocks. Okay, not really. Whatever. The Fed's move to unwind its corporate bond portfolio is a minor is minor compared to any future tightening of policy it may signal. The central bank owned 13.8 billion in bonds and bond ETFs as of the central bank's latest report to a report to. It is unlikely that supply will have much effect on prices in a market where companies sometimes place new or offering of debt larger than it is in a day. Excuse me. Offers of debt larger than that in a day. The overall corporate bond market is more than 10 trillion inside. Now this was last year, I believe anyway. Uh, yeah, this was last year. Um, let's see, trillion in size according to the security industry and financial markets. By the way, the set the ten trillion, that's a tr ten trillion on the na the national debt uh, that everybody keeps wanting to talk about. Uh, nevertheless, the move. Oh wait a minute, dang it. Okay, here we go. Maybe I'll. What can we go? Peter. Uh, let's see. Ah, okay. Nevertheless, the move is another step away from the ambitious slate of pandemic relief efforts that the central bank rolled out to combat a market freeze during the early days of the COVID pandemic. Last year, the Fed produced or introduced excuse me, a handful of brand new facilities to offer liquidity to companies, state and local governments, smaller businesses, and nonprofits. Those facilities were seeded in part with money from the Treasury Department Exchange Stabilization Fund. Uh, five of those emergency uh, facilities expired at the end of 2020. That sets them apart from the central bank's quantitative easing effort where the Fed has continued to purchase $120 billion in treasuries and mortgage-backed securities 
Each month, dependent on how the U.S. economy recovered develops, uh, the central bank is expected to start discussing reducing the pace of those purchases later this summer or fall. Let's see. Strategies uh, at Bank of America raise concerns about the Fed's move. Clearly, the Fed has little in terms of successful track record in selling assets and also by far most of the time merely adjust policy to market expectations. Here's the problem. Market, uh, as far as I can see, uh, mortgage-backed securities are mortgages that banks, you know, loan out uh, money for. So that's Bank of America and other places. So if they're afraid that people who uh, are paying on those mortgages will default, they will turn around and put them in like a little stack and sell them off to the, to, to, uh, to the Fed hoping to get that money just in case that person defaults. And that way they don't default and their credit, their capital goes down. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, by, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, clearly the Fed has little in terms of successful track record in selling assets and also by far most of the time merely adjust a policy to market expectations. This is why the Fed's announcement, uh, which was 100% surprising, to begin gradually selling their portfolio of corporate debt acquired during liquidity crisis last year is very negative to risk assets, the bank said. Clearly, the Fed feels sufficiently emboldened by the scarcity of credit assets in the form uh, in front end of the curve and high valuations to be uh, com comfortable testing markets in this way. ETF strategist at Citigroup, which was one of the biggest uh, market-backed security places that kind of had to sell a lot of their assets uh, to the Fed, took a different view. The news on the Fed's timing was a big surprise, but not unreasonable, they said. They have originally estimated that it would take years to fully unwind the portfolio and guess that the Fed would redeem some of the ETFs for short-dated bonds, then allow those bonds to mature, mimicking its plans with its portfolio of treasuries it accumulated after the financial crisis during its bond-buying efforts. Allowing bonds to mature would have the least market impact, they wrote. Messaging and concerns of further monetary policy tightening could make investors somewhat nervous, hence some moderate, uh, modest softened, softness in credit ETFs today. So yes, as I said before, um, that's $10 trillion. That is a part of what everybody is concerned about, the national debt. Uh, national debt is money that, well, uh, national debt is basically assets that, uh, uh, that, uh, a lot of corporations think they might have to let that, that money that is supposed to come in to pay those off uh, may not be able to come in. So to make sure that they don't they don't default on those, they turn around and sell them off to the to the Fed. The Fed then then uh, then put then puts them away and makes and waits and see if those if those do default. In that case, they they take them and sell them off. I think that's my take of anyway. I could be way wrong about that, but anyway. So let's see. Oh, yes, and apparently, um, as of today, 
uh, Aaron O'Toole uh, has been removed as a Conservative MP in the in Canada, in the uh, Canadian Parliament. So let's see, a majority of Conservative MPs today voted to remove Aaron O'Toole as a party leader, paving the way for another leadership race only 18 months after the party finished the last one. The result wasn't particularly close. 73% or 73 of the 118 MPs on hand, the party's caucus chair, Scott Reed, did not cast a ballot voted to replace uh, O'Toole with someone else. O'Toole, a four-term Ontario MP who has fought only one federal election campaign as, part, as the party leaders, uh, party's leader would be replaced by an interim leader today, later today after another caucus vote. As the vote was over, O'Toole officially resigned his post in a letter to Rob Butherson, the president of the Conservative Party of Canada, according to a source with, a, with knowledge of the decision. The source who spoke to CBC News Confidentiality said, confidentially said O'Toole will begin moving out of his office immediately. Uh, New Brunswick MP John Williamson, who was a senior staffer and former uh, Prime Minister Stephen Harper's office, immediately put his name forward for that interim role, promising to ensure the party elects a permanent leader in a fair and efficient contest. Okay, so one person in, one person out. Uh, if you want to just go just go to uh, cbc.ca uh, slash news slash politics slash O'Toole, minus leadership, minus vote, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. So let's see what else is this. Ah, yes. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see. This is uh, Mount Nemberat, which remember, I don't really uh, follow these people, but uh, see, there was a, a story on here I wanted to read. Let's see, hold on for a sec. Okay, staying on track of the uh, national debt, uh, this is from the Institution of Taxation and Economic Policy. And this is as of, as you can see, the date. And if you're listening to this, this is from July 11th, of 2018. Uh, I haven't been able to find anything that was <laughs> recently, except for the ta except for the uh, Trump tax, and that's not that's like a 1.8, I think, 1.6 trillion dollars into uh, to to the supposed uh, national debt. Um, anyway, so let's see. Uh, according to uh, the, I guess, ITAP, as, as you can call it, 65% uh, of federal tax cuts since 2000 have gone to the richest 20%. So let's see. Since 2000, Congress has passed several rounds of tax cuts that have increased the federal deficit by nearly $6 trillion and disproportionately benefits the top 20%, oops, top 20% of households which received nearly two-thirds, which is 65% of the value of all tax changes. And a report from uh, ITEP uh, finds. The analysis, federal tax changes uh, in the Bush, Obama, and Trump years uh, estimates that, okay, so this is a combination. Okay, there we go. Uh, estimates the tax cuts cost $5.1 and including interest payments on a national debt that had a total impact of 5.9 trillion to determine the uh, cumulative, cumulative uh, effect of tax cuts under the th last three presidential administrations. 
The analysis compares federal taxes paid by American households every year from 2001 to 2018 to what they would call would have paid if 2000, uh, 2000 tax low uh, law remained in effect. Every income group pays a lower percentages of the income and taxes, but the highest earnings, 20% of households, are the biggest beneficiaries by far, and the top 5% received about 38% of the cumulative, cumulative, not cumulative, cumulative total of the tax cuts. The disproportionate flow of tax cuts to the national and to the nation's most affluent households is a sobering reminder of how tax policy contributes to widening income inequality. Low and moderate income households, incomes have remained relatively flat over the last two decades, while rich households have seen their income increase. Tax cuts that mostly flow to the wealthy are in, in effect transferring even more wealth to those who already had the most. Uh, the tax cuts enacted since 2000 have been enormously costly and have mostly benefited those who are who, at least in, in name of help, said, uh, at least in, in name of help, said uh, Steve Wamhoff, director of the federal policy of at ITEP and the lead author of the analysis. For example, the richest one percent received more benefits than the bottom six percent. It is worth asking whether this is the result uh, result most Americans wanted from their lawmakers. Richest fifth of Americans had the biggest after-tax income boost from tax cuts during the George W. Uh, year, w. George W. Bush eras, eras, years, to changes under the Obama administration reversed some of the uh, Bush tax cuts, which reduced tax cuts going to the rich, though de uh, dollar for dollar they continued to benefit most. But now, due to the recent enact, enacted Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the richest fifth against, uh, again received the biggest after-tax income boost. If current tax policies remain in effect, the uh, the cumulative cost of tax cuts would add to 10.6 trillion, which is 13.6 trillion, including interest payment to the national debt by 2025. These policies have transferred trillions in wealth to those who were already rich, said Alan Essig, executive director of ITEP. Annual income for the top 20% of the households has grown since, 20, since 2000, but it essentially has remained stagnant for families in the middle income uh, quintile and declined for poor and low income households. Our federal tax policies aren't the sole cause of this problem, but they certainly have contributed. So, uh, according to this, uh, as of 2018, it's $13.6 that taxes that have not been paid by the uh, wealthy, or in reality, the spending that has not been taxed out, which is what the $13.6 is this, which is... Uh, that combined with the 10 trillion uh, from 2020, wait, yeah, from 2020, that would be what, uh, 23.6 trillion that has not been paid in taxes at all uh, from the richest people in the world. Let's see. Now, this next one is actually from a MMT -er. Um I think this is a William, Mil William Mitchell, Bill Mitchell. Uh, once this goes up, let's see. Yeah, Bill Mitchell, uh, my monetary theory. Um, 
There we go. Hopefully it goes a hell of more. This is this is a uh, recent. Uh, this was today, in fact. RBA rejects theory that interest rates rises cur cur cure COVID and make trucks go faster. It's Wednesday and a bit and a blog light day, but there was an important speech delivered by the governor of Australia's central bank today that reveals the reason that RBA is once again refusing to be bullied into increasing interest rates uh, rises by the markets. It is all, almost uh, comical to observe the ludicrous self-importance that the markets are exhibiting at the moment. Every day the, there is a new article or segment on the finance reports about how the markets are going to win the battle against RBA, who will buckle soon on interest rates. Well, yesterday the RBA didn't buckle and they made fools of the markets. Remember, the markets is just a collection of economists who work for financial institutions that make more profits when interest rates are higher. It is no wonder they are always demanding higher rates. That is what vested interests are about. And for the media to just continually give them a platform, especially the national broadcasters, is a disgrace. Anyway, the markets lost our uh, out yesterday, and the RBA clearly doesn't think that interest rate rise, rises cure COVID and make trucks go faster. At, oh no, sorry, uh, as each day passes, there is another uh, lurid article about how the market is pricing and interest rates rising and the central bank will have to move on rates soon or lose credibility or some other nonsense. There have been recent articles telling mortgage holders that their monthly payments are set to rise by uh, a or Australian, I guess, uh, 1000 per month. That forecast came from an economist working for one of the big four banks who, ga uh, who gouge massive profits from borrowers and will increase their gouging if rates go up. The, editor the editorial uh, in the Australian Financial Review, the business lobby paper, January 24th of 2022, interest rates to rise, markets correct, tries uh, a on a morality lesson about low interest rates being unnatural and a failure to reward those who delay gratification now to enjoy more in the future. Apparently, we need interest rates uh, rises uh, rises to get on top of the inflation outbreak. The market economists bullies them run uh, then run the story that unless the central bank goes what goes no sorry does what they say, it will lose all credibility and inflation will run out of control. Sure, believe that, and I can sell you the Sydney Harbor Bridge cheap. Just ring me. We can close the deal real quick, as the spies, as, as spies say. Uh, in fact, there isn't much difference between the spies and those market commentators. They both try to rip the public off. Let's see how? Okay. Anyway, so you can go. You can go to Bilbo. Economic Outlook. Net for the for the rest of us. Let's see. Oh, yes, this is actually about marijuana. Uh, let me wait until this goes up. 
apparently, see, Ohio is one of the states that's actually trying to legalize marijuana uh, in the upcoming uh, in upcoming November. Uh, several states in play to legalize marijuana this year through legislation. This was um, actually wait a minute. Oh, yeah, this was January. It's February now. And marijuana legalization through state legislatures heat up in 2021, and that trend likely will continue this year as lawmakers in several states are expected to legalize either recreational or medical cannabis. Uh, in Ohio, they already have medical uh, cannabis, so recreational is the next step as far as I can see. The Northeast and Mid-Atlantic states are in the spotlight for adult-use marijuana legislative activity, with Rhode Island the top candidate to approve regulated commercial market, according to industry experts. Maryland lawmakers are expected to refer an adult-use legalization initiative to voters. Medical marijuana legalization is expected in Mississippi, where the state's high court nixed a voter-approved referendum last May. Lawmakers in North and South Carolina ha also have a solid chance of legalizing uh, medical cannabis, experts say. And let's see. Uh, and if you're listening to this, uh, there is a picture um, of states that it says uh, green for medical and I guess Tampa recreational. Mississippi uh, is trying to go for medical, uh, South Carolina medical, North Carolina medical, Kansas medical. Uh, Minnesota, Maryland, New Hampshire, Delaware, Pennsylvania, uh, all trying to go for recreational. Meanwhile, industry officials and advocates are closing monitoring recreational and medical marijuana legalization efforts, uh, closing, yeah, closing, um, efforts in other states across the country. The expected activity this year follows a strong 2021 uh, when lawmakers in Connecticut, New Mexico, New York, and Virginia legalized recreational marijuana markets that eventually are expected to generate more than $4.5 billion combined annual revenue. Alabama lawmakers passed a medical marijuana measure, which was surprising to me, but whatever. Um, Karen O'Keefe, state policies director for Washington, D.C., Based marijuana policy proje project identified a number of factory factors, excuse me, uh, driving lawmaker-led legalization. Support for legalization has roughly doubled in the past decade, with more Americans now supporting recreational as well as medical marijuana. By and large, O'Keefe said, elected officials are starting to realize that this is where the public sentiment is, and, and money, obviously. Marijuana sales are generating large amounts of badly needed tax revenue for states. Elected officials now have plenty of time to see the sky hasn't fallen with legalization, O'Keefe said. Regional pressure are mounting, creating domino effects for lawmakers to act so their states won't lose tax dollars to neighboring states where cannabis is legal. Rhode Island, for example, borders Massachusetts and Connecticut, both of which have legal, legalized adult use. Marijuana has a vibrant recreational market where retail sales are projected to reach $2 billion annually by 2024, according to the BMJB's uh, Facebook. Uh, see. Key insights to inform decisions. MJB's uh, MJ Facebook. It's, uh, okay. Basically, is there whatever? Um, let's see, Connecticut just announced it would begin taking applications for certain types of licenses next month. 
Maryland sits between two places that have legalized recreational marijuana in Washington, D.C. and Virginia, although the latter market isn't scheduled to la uh, launch until 2024. For many uh, Maryland residents, it's shocking to think of Virginia as being more progressive on the issue, O'Keefe said. The, the, in some states, it's more, it's more a question of agreeing on the details version versus excuse me, hammering out a precise timing of legalization, O'Keefe added. Okay, let's see. Da, da, da. Okay, uh, state, uh, states such as Maryland started to lay the groundwork last year. Other states are expected to follow suit this year. Okay, so let's see. Here's a summary of some of the states to watch this year for potential legal, uh, legalization via state legislature. Uh, we have Delaware. Uh, summary, two House committee. Uh, two house uh, two house committees approved uh, House Bill 115 before this session adjourned uh, last year. The state is on two-year legislative sessions, so the bill will be taken up next uh, again this year. Neighboring New Jersey, which is expected to launch a, its recreational marijuana market later this year, is applying the original pressure of uh, uh, applying the, the original pressure. Uh, key measure uh, key business details. Measure calls for 30 retail store licenses, including 15 for social equity applicants, 30 pro pro uh, processor licenses, including 10 for social equity applicants, and 60 cultivator uh, cultivator licenses, including 30 for social social excuse me uh, equity uh, applicants. Existing medical cannabis operators can apply for adult uh, use licenses. Uh, in Hawaii, summary, the pa Senate passed a legalization bill, SB 767, by a 20 to 5 vote in 2021, and the measure will be taken up in the House after stalling there last year. Uh, the details, the State Department of Health would develop licensing and other rules. The measure doesn't address uh, equity and doesn't say when the bill would be effective. The place, uh, yeah, be effective. The placeholder date of 2137 in the bill is expected to be changed. Maryland legislative bills were proposed in both the House and the Senate in 2021, but State House Speaker uh, Adrian Jones said she intends to push a bill that would refer the issue to voters. Sounds like a better deal as far as that part goes. You have a better chance of winning. Um, the House and Senate measures were, uh, were similar, but the House version offered more opportunity for small and minority-owned businesses. There you go. In Minnesota, the Minnesota House representatives, uh, were, where Democrats hold a majority, passed the recreational marijuana le uh, legalization bill, HF 600, in May of 2021 by a margin of 72 to 61, but the companion bill and a Republican-led uh, Senate died. Uh, the business side of things, the, uh, the measure will uh, would establish an office of uh, social equity and social uh, equity would account for 20% uh, in social, yeah, uh, wait a minute. Office of social, uh, uh, social equity and social equity would account for 20% of the scoring of license, uh, license applications. Uh, license types would include craft cu cultivators and macro businesses. New Hampshire, 
The Republican-controlled House of Representatives last week narrowly rejected recreational marijuana bill HB 237, but six other bills remain in play, including some that would refer the issue to voters in the fall. That could be the most likely scenario. Business side of things. HB 237 would have set up a recreational market without license caps. There you go. Ohio, here, uh, summary, a, a campaign to legalize adult use sales appears to have collectively enough signatures to compel lawmakers to decide whether to adopt the measure instead of leaving the decision to voters. Separately, two Republicans introduced a restrictive adult use measure last year. Uh, key business details. The Citizen Initiative uh, initiated regulate, regulate marijuana-like alcohol measure would set up a division of cannabis control that would issue 40 cultivation and 50 retail store licenses. A preference would be given to applications or applicants who participated in the social equity and jobs program. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania Democrat uh, Democrat Governor Tom Wolf has urged lawmakers to legalize recreational marijuana, especially now that neighbor, neighboring New Jersey has. Democrat lawmakers introduced House Bill 2050 last year to do so, but the Republican-led Senate remains a huge obstacle to passage. Okay, so let's see. Um, uh, key business details. House Bill 2050 will include a grant program to help uh, equity applicants licensed uh, licenses would be capped as follows 50 growers 50 processors 100 retail permits with up to three locations each and 35 co uh, combination permits a combination license could set up to three growing permits five c cups you'd be seeking that set up a c cup to three grower permits five processor uh, pro five processor licenses and 10 retail permits okay so you also have rhode island and kansas and mississippi um north carolinas uh yeah north carolina uh south carolina let's see and other places like that you can go to mjbizdaily.com i'll try to put uh this in the description below let's see and nope wait a minute da -da -da -da. Uh, I'm trying to like go through the actual. Okay, is this it? I think yeah. And uh, the I guess you could say the final one of this video uh, is unfortunately from Yahoo, but it's been one that was I wanted to talk about yesterday, but didn't get a chance to. Nearly two billion worth of incentives brought the Intel chip plant to Ohio. Uh, you see, it took nearly two billion in public, uh, oops, yeah, in public incentives for Intel to commit to building a massive chip factory plant for a new Albany area. Now I've read through this. Um, if I mean he's a politician, this whole thing you never fucking know. But if this, if they, if all that is that we read off comes to fruition and. Uh, Intel messes up. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that. Uh, we're right back. Okay. Uh, see, yeah. Uh, as I was saying, um, if if it's 
I am hoping because this is the only actual thing I've actually seen so far that uh, is what uh, Jay Inslee in Washington State I was hoping he would do as far as like bone and all that stuff. Um, anyways, I'll get to it. Um, let's see. So, driving the news, uh, Lydia Mahalik, uh, the state development director, broke down the largest economic incentives packages or package, excuse me, in state history as a Friday uh, press conference. The package includes uh, 600 million in direct cash. The this onshoring incentive grant is conditional. On Intel, uh, Intel, excuse me, uh, build building two fabrication plants that can be clawed back should Intel not deliver. That's what I would. That, that's what I was looking for as far as the Boeing deal that that Jay Inslee did, like 2015 or something like that. Um, you know, maybe earlier than that. Uh, was if you know, it, like say for instance, uh, those workers lost their jobs, and the state would give back the money that was put in tax incentives to Boeing, but it never happened. If this goes through and they mess up, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that that this governor will actually take the money back and put it back into the state in the into the state coffer. But anyway. Let's see. So let's see. Six hundred eighty-one million in infrastructure spending, funding for new water lines, uh, roadways, and a state-of-the-art water reclamation, uh, reclamation facility. Which I'm hoping that's for. The, I'm, I'm hoping all this is for the whole state, not just uh, get these guys in here, and for the, those uh, those locations that they're building on the same plot of land. And six hundred fifty more uh, million estimated in job create uh, created creation tax credits. Intel will file annual reports on the site's full time employees to learn to learn to learn to earn the credit. If that happens, that's that's another thing that I would want want Jay Inslee to have done. So if if all this goes through and all, and they do this. This is like the best freaking thing I've seen so far in regards to job creation and all that and transparency. If again, if if I do have a, do I have any confidence in that? If no, but I'm hoping. Who knows? At least the words are right as far as that part goes. Uh, anyway, so let's see. The plant is expected to employ thousands of workers at an average salary of 135,000 when. It opens in late 2025. Separately, Jobs Ohio, the state's private economic development arm, is reportedly offering 150 million in grant funding per the, the this is from the Global Dispatch. The city of uh, New Albany is offering a 30-year 100% property tax abatement within its city business park. Uh, Mahalik did not rule out future increases to the state's offer should Intel develop the planned plant further. And that would be as far as that part goes. Now, I told my fiance that it would be a long uh, news day and she was very supportive of it. And uh, as I said, um, I'd like to thank uh, um, William Pounds, uh, who's running for uh, Arizona governor uh, for 2022. Uh, also, like to thank um, uh, Hank for U.S. Senate, uh, who's running in California, U.S. Senate, obviously. And also, of course, I'd like to thank uh, Granny Gamer 71 on Twitch for sponsoring this show. 
Thank you. And let me just get out of here. And thank you for your support. I hope you continue doing so. Uh, share this, like this, comment on this. Um, and if you have any difference of opinion, let me know. Please email me. I've, I'll, I'll put my email down, down below in the description. Either way, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, this episode. And again, I hope you share it. And uh, I hope you decide to go to paypal.me slash capital leftist capital GAP network and donate wherever you wish if you think I'm worth it. Thank you and peace out for now.